0: To thoroughly equipped a podcast for women where we compare the popular women's ministry teachings books conferences bible studies etc to scripture our focus is 2 timothy 3 16 17 that all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so the man or woman of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work equipped. I'm your host Melba Toast and today I'm taking a bit of a detour from our typical book critiques to meditate a bit on women's roles in the home and the teaching of Titus 2 where the older women are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, bear with me a little bit here as I go into a little bit of my personal thoughts in my introduction. So, come springtime, my favorite thing to do is sit outside in the morning, read my Bible, and enjoy nature. I always find myself reflecting on who God is by the things that He has created Usually we think, when we observe nature, how intelligent our God is. We may also think how creative and artistic our God is in his creation. I even think sometimes how vastly unknowable he can be. And yet, on the other hand, how we can observe and come to know things about our God. But a while back, after my study time outside, while I was cleaning, I thought about my friends. Now, I thought about how I like to have a clean house when my friends come over. I thought about how I like to have a clean house overall, and I asked myself why. While I was sweeping, I thought about my sinful nature and how it begs for the approval of others. So, of course, I know that my desire to have a clean house can at times be about me and the way I'm perceived by others. And I'm sure that's something you all can relate to. But then I thought of something totally out of the blue. I thought about scripture where it says that Jesus went away to prepare a place for us. That's John 14, 1-3. You'd see Isaiah chapter 65, 17, and chapter 66, 22. Also, 2 Peter 3, 12-13, and Revelation 21, 1. And I thought about what Jesus might be creating and how beautiful it must be. I thought about nature now and how it's wild and yet structured and ordered at the same time. Then I thought about how when I want to relax, there are places that I think of that give my soul peace. The outdoors certainly is one of them. But I also thought of my grandparents' home and my mother's home. I thought of how clean and organized their dwelling was. And I asked myself how the place that Jesus prepares for us, the new heavens and the new earth, couldn't be anything more than beautiful, clean, orderly, reflecting and declaring the awesome wonders of God himself. I don't necessarily mean clean as in dust-free and whitewashed, etc., but clean as in free of sin, evil, suffering and chaos, etc. And I thought of even how in the Bible... We are described as being in filthy rags, dirty, and blind, and yet God comes and makes us clean. So I thought there was something to that, something to being clean and cleaning that reflects God's character. And then my thoughts went on to other character traits and how we can reflect them in our homes. Now we all understand that God gives us everything and that includes our homes, So, and we are taught many times in Scripture on being good stewards over what we've been given. God calls us to work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, Colossians 4.2, to use the gifts given to us by God to serve one another, 1 Peter 4.10, to provide for our family and household, 1 Timothy 5.8, to seek not our own good but the good of others, 1 Corinthians 10.24, and as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God— We proclaim them, 1 Corinthians 4.1. Scripture instructs us to do these things, but I want to think about why these things are instructed to us, mainly to be holy as God is holy, 1 Peter 1.15. So besides taking care of what God has given us, being good stewards over our home, cleaning and maintaining it, how else might we reflect God's character in it? Now, before we go into this, I want to clarify something. I do not want this episode to be about law. It's not about cleaning the house to please God in any way, shape, or form, but instead, I want to meditate on how our actions in our homes can reflect God's character. That means I look at who God is and how he works in our lives and in nature, and I desire to reflect that in my home. Again, not necessarily to please him, though we do because that comes with loving someone, but because I am pleased in him. He's the ultimate good, so sharing his character and reflecting his character to others is a form of love, and that too can be expressed in our homes. In essence, what I mean is that I desire to imitate these character traits of God in myself through what I do in my home. Now, my study on this is by no means exhaustive, but are just some of the things we can glean from the study of scripture that reveals his character. Just like we can observe from nature with our eyes and with careful study, certain characteristics of God's nature, I long to reflect these characteristics of God's nature through what I do and how I take care of the small property that I live on. Yet, it's because of the gospel that we desire these things, to be more holy as he is holy. Christ, through his perfect life given to me and his sacrifice for my sins, equips me with the Holy Spirit to be holy and reflect God, though on this side of eternity, it's done imperfectly. But because I am right with God, I can now live to enjoy and come to him as my heavenly father. I, like all children under a loving father, want to be like him. The more we know him, the more we desire to give praise and honor to him, and we realize that our actions in loving others is a result of him first loving us, 1 John four nineteen. See, it's all rooted in and because of the gospel. Therefore, God's character will become our desire. So, now let's meditate on who God is, some of his wonderful and awesome character traits. As we wish to be mirrors, as God in his mercy shines on us, we wish to receive that light and shine it back in praise and honor towards him, so others may see him and give him glory. And that can start in our homes. The first character trait of our Heavenly Father that we should look at is that our heavenly father is almighty and brings order. God has absolute power and authority and in his power has instituted authority to bring about order. Now, as we read Genesis and even in our scientific observations of nature, we can see order. We read in Genesis, that God even created in an orderly way day by day, until he rested on the seventh day, genera- uh, Genesis 1, two to three. He created humanity in an order, man first, woman second, and for an orderly reason, so that man would have a helper, Genesis 2:18. Even his law has authority in order. The Ten Commandments have an order, from instruction on who he is, to worshiping who he is, to love of our neighbor. He, even in the Ten Commandments, reveals his orderly character by giving humanity ones who are in authority as he instructs us to honor authority in the Fifth Commandment. The institution of authority and the instruction to obey this commandment reveals the way which God is orderly. Even in scripture, where we get a glance of the heavenly realms, there is order and levels of authority with God as the ultimate authority over all. A perfect example of this is his kingdom on earth, the institution of the church, and how its gathering and worship should be run in an orderly manner, 1 Corinthians 14, 26-40. And so, because God has ultimate authority and brings order, how can we reflect God's character trait in our home? Understanding that from the beginning, in his orderly creation, God instituted authority. We women, and I understand this is a difficult issue, that we wrestle with our flesh here. We women submit to God as he has ultimate authority. But in submitting to him, we understand that he has instituted authority to maintain order and to protect the ones he loves. And as Genesis describes... He made man first and then women to be his helper in ruling on earth. This was instituted before sin entered the world. Not only that, but we can see that sin came about not only from the desire to be like God, knowing good and evil, but also because Adam, in his headship role, knowing God's instruction, did not trust God and protect Eve from deception first Timothy two thirteen to fourteen, but instead chose to eat the fruit given to him by Eve, Genesis three, one to six. And so because he was the federal head of all humanity, his transgression brought sin and death to all humanity. Romans five, twelve. So understanding this, we bring submission to our husband's authority colossians 3:18 ephesians 5:22 among other verses this patriarchal headship should be an authority that brings accountability submission and order to a home now patriarchy is very controversial in our society and is even a dividing issue in the church today But from the very beginning, we see that male headship was God's intention for his creation. Male headship is in the first family of all humanity as man was created first. Male headship is even in the covenant made with Abraham as he is the father of many nations who by faith are saved. Male headship is continued in the mosaic covenant as god instituted the levites and priests through the males in the families of levi and aaron and male headship is in the new covenant as christ being male is the head of those under this covenant and by which the holy spirit through the apostle peter and paul instructs the church to choose men as overseers who hold authority in the church first timothy 3 7 as well as choosing men to serve as deacons, First Timothy 3, 8 to 13. Notice that for both overseers and deacons, they must be married to wives and manage their children and household well, because if he cannot manage his own house, how can he manage the household of God? First Timothy 3, 4 to 5, and verse 12. A woman knowing her heavenly father... His ultimate authority, righteous judgment, love, and great mercy, does not fear being under the authority of man because she understands the sovereignty God has over those in authority, Proverbs 21.1, 1, Proverbs 16.9. And so she is like the holy women who hoped in God who adorned themselves by submitting to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And we too are her children, if we do good and do not fear anything that's frightening. First Peter three, one to six. We submit to God and those he has placed in authority over us, first Peter two, thirteen to twenty five, while also having authority over our children. Exodus twenty, twelve, Ephesians six, one to three. In our authority, we desire to train up our children in God's word, Deuteronomy 11:19, the way that they should go, Proverbs 22, 6. We Christian women desire to be like Timothy's mother Eunice and Timothy's grandmother Lois, whose faith was passed on to Timothy through their teachings from childhood as he had been acquainted with the sacred writings which were able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3, 15. The second character trait we will look at is that our Heavenly Father is a God who is pure and cleanses his people and will one day cleanse the whole world. Another trait we see in God is his holiness, which sets him apart. In the Old Testament, there were things that the Lord described as clean and unclean that would separate Jewish culture from Gentile culture. There were various reasons for this separation, but the one I wish to discuss for this topic was the promise given by God to make us holy or separate, righteous and clean or purified. God in the new covenant promises t- to give us new hearts and puts a new spirit within us. Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. He creates in us a clean heart and renews a right spirit in us. Psalms fifty-one ten. And Christ so loves his church. He gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. And he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. And so because he takes what is dirty and makes it clean, so I too take what is dirty and make it clean in my house, reflecting in this sinful world what God does in us. God through Christ takes the individual who was an enemy and dirty, naked, and blind, and cleanses us, clothes us, and causes us to see and walk in his ways. He washes us and makes us whiter than snow. Psalm 51 7. So, too, do I want to do this in keeping with what God has given me, my home to the actual property and to my children. Yes, we do not do this perfectly as our Heavenly Father does. And for the time being, we live in a dirty world. But I think it's fascinating to think on our house cleaning and relate it to the final day when Christ returns and all evil will be cleansed from creation, and then God will present to us a new heavens and a new earth filled with his glory and his righteousness. Isaiah 65, 17, 2 Peter 3:13, Revelation 21, verses 1 to 27. Another thought on this is how God directs husbands by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave themselves up for her as Christ did, so that the church may be in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish." Ephesians 5:27. And so this is an interesting thought, that one can sacrifice themselves for the spiritual purity and formation of another. This resonates with Christian mothers, who long for the salvation of their children, to return what God has blessed them with in the same way, the sacrifice of godly motherhood for the spiritual formation in our children, all the while hoping in God who grants the faith. The third character trait we should meditate on is that our Heavenly Father is a God of peace. Another way we can reflect God is that He is a God of peace, Romans 16.20, 2 Thessalonians 3.16, who brings peace, reconciliation, and tranquility to His children. So, I long to bring peace and tranquility, spiritually and physically, to my home. It is first and foremost to note that we started out as enemies of God, Romans 5.7, yet Christ reconciled us to the Father and brought us peace. has reconciled us to God he has overcome the world giving us peace john 14:27 even through times of trouble john 16:33 that includes troubles and trials that enter our homes in our homes and in the church we strive for restoration and peace among each other 2 corinthians 13:11 we strive to have unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary bless for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing for whoever desires to love life and see good days let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 1 Peter 3, 8-12 We who are God's children are peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9 Being anxious over nothing but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, presenting our request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7 The fourth character trait that we observe is that our Heavenly Father is a God of love. It's probably the most popular saying in Christianity and one that unbelievers twist to fit their needs, and that is this, that God is love. 1 John 4.8 But the thing that unbelievers miss is that love is sacrificial. It's a choice to sacrifice our flesh and desires for the good of others. The worldly love that unbelievers tend to mean by this verse is one of self-gratification, the love that satisfies the flesh and desires of our own evil hearts, and this is opposite of sacrificial. We see in Christ this sacrificial love. It was Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2, 6-8 Because Christ's love was one of humble sacrifice, perfectly obeying the Father, John 12, 49-50, John 14, 31, and John 15, 10, and submitting his will to the Father's will, Luke twenty two forty two, John five thirty, to present a bride for himself clean and without blemish. Ephesians five twenty seven, Revelation twenty one two. So because of him, I strive that the motivation behind all that I do in my home is love. John thirteen thirty four to thirty five. Too many times our flesh desires to have it our way, yet God constantly presents us in the home with times of testing to sacrifice our flesh on the altar for the service and love of others and to walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the lust of our flesh, for they are at odds with one another, as walking in the Spirit will cause us not to do what we want to do, but instead produce good fruit. Galatians five sixteen to twenty five. We Christian women cry out like Paul in Romans, identifying that we are at odds within ourselves, and yet trusting and praising God that there is now no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. Romans seven fifteen to eight eight. Our love is imperfect. But Christ's love is perfect, and we who are in Christ sets our minds on the things of the spirit, though we, in this side of glory, live in our flesh. It is a battle of the mind over our sinful flesh, in which the spirit draws us, through his word, to love God and love neighbor, and the closest ones being our husbands and children. The fifth character trait that we long to reflect is that our Heavenly Father is a God who is true and therefore trustworthy. We know that God cannot lie, Hebrews 6:18) and always keeps His word even though every man may be found a liar, Romans 3:4). 4. It is truth that we find in His word. In Christ's priestly prayer, Jesus prays that the Father sanctifies us in the truth, that his word is truth. John 17:17. 17, 17. In John chapter 1, we read how the word was with God and the word was God, verse 1, and became flesh, verse 14. And in John 14:6, Christ states that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now being that God is Spirit, those who worship Him worship Him in spirit and truth, John four twenty four. The church are those being led by the Spirit, who guides them into all truth, John sixteen, thirteen. Our love is to abound more and more in knowledge and discernment, Philippians one nine, as this love is not done in mere talk, but in action and truth, first John three, eighteen. So, in our homes, we long to reflect love that is not only sacrificial, but is rooted in truth. Because of this, we Christian women should not shy away from correction, nor shy away from correcting those we love in truth and love. Neither should we sugarcoat or dumb down things for our children. We desire to teach and train them up unto all of God's truth. We acknowledge our own sins and know that wise counsel and loving rebuke come from our Heavenly Father for our growth and sanctification. And so we also give these to our children from God's word, for it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that they may be equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17 Correction given to children is always done in check to our own sin, Matthew 7, 3-5, and in love seeking to bring glory to God, the third commandment, as well as the spiritual growth of the child in that correction. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil." 2 Timothy two twenty four to 25 While this passage was written to Timothy to guide and instruct him in, pa- in his pastoral office, and our children are not necessarily our opponents, <laughs> we Christian women can strive to serve God in the same way for our children and in our households. And because we love the truth that is God's word, whereby we gain understanding and hate every false way, Psalm one nineteen one o four. we also strive to have discernment, to not only be able to discern what is tr- the truth, but to even discern what is mostly true from what is fully true. We do not gather for ourselves teachers, who teach partial truths or tickle our ears, but those who teach all of God's Word in season and out of season, 2 Timothy 4, 2-3. We, as in the instruction given to the lady in Paul's letter of 2 John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are to abide in the teaching of Christ and to mark those who stray from this teaching, not bringing them into our house, 2 John 8-10. through Hebrews 5, 13-14 warns us that everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child but solid food is for the mature for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil now milk and meat are metaphors for spiritual food that one eats to spiritually grow the mature christian eats meat when they have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil those who exercise themselves in the study of God's word will grow in discernment understanding and knowledge no longer being children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness ephesians 4:14 4, So in conclusion, throughout this episode, we have been looking at what theologians describe as communicable attributes of God. These are attributes that we as humans share with our Creator, yet in all of the communicable attributes we can never fully share them. An example would be, we can be wise as God is wise, but never have complete wisdom as God has complete wisdom. There are other attributes of God that because of time this episode will not go into, but God willing, I hope we may focus on another episode. But I will shortly mention them here. God is faithful, so we are to be faithful. God is good, so we are to focus on what is good and desire to bring it into our homes. God is gracious, so we are to be gracious to others. God guides his people, so we are to guide, assist, and give direction to those in our homes. God is an impartial and righteous judge, and so we too should wish to reflect impartial and righteous judgment. God forgives and is merciful, and so we should forgive and be merciful. God protects and saves his people from the wrath to come, and so We should give the good news to those in our home, pointing them to Christ who, by his sacrifice, saves them from this wrath. Yet, in all times, whether in success of reflecting God's attributes or our failures to perform them, we always, always remember this gospel that Christ was the human who ultimately fulfilled and reflected the Father perfectly for us, John 14, 9, so that His righteous requirement to be holy, as He is holy, is then therefore fulfilled in us, and is presented to us as a gift from God that we receive by faith. What a beautiful gift! And What a beautiful and powerful incentive to be like our almighty, purifying, peaceful, loving, trustworthy, etc. Heavenly Father. Because of all this and more, may God be glorified. So, until next time, I pray you reflect the glory of God's character in your homes and among those you love. I pray You are in God's word.